Welcome to this week's episode of the North Bible Church Podcast. Now, let's join our pastor as we open God's Word together. Hey, good morning, North family. Good to see you this morning. Uh, good morning to all of you who are guests. We're so glad that you guys took the time to come and be with us this morning. And we hope and pray that your time with us will be an encouragement to your heart, your soul, and your life. Uh, we are continuing in our teaching series on prayer this morning. And uh, just looking back really fast, here's what we've talked about. We've talked about what it looks like to have authentic prayer. Uh, we, we talked about what it looks like to praise God and thank God in prayer. Uh, we looked at what it looks like to repent and confess in prayer. Last week we talked about what it looks like to ask of God in prayer. And so as we think about prayer, uh, one of the most common struggles that we have is when we pray good prayers, um, meaningful prayers, and sometimes we feel like God is silent or he doesn't answer the way we hope for. So what I want to do is I just want to get us talking this morning a little bit. I love when we do this, just a little huddle time. And so I'm going to ask you just to get in groups of three or four. Any more than that, you're not really going to have a chance to engage, but just like three people to four people. And I've got a couple questions uh, that I want you guys to just talk about in your huddles, okay? So the first question is going to be this. Think about a time when you asked God for something to happen or not to happen, and he didn't answer the way you hoped, all right? So think about a time when you asked God for something to happen or not to happen, and he didn't answer the way you hoped for. What did you learn from that experience, all right? So just take about a minute or so, and three or four people in a row, huddle up, and share what you think about that. Ready, go. Turn around, don't be shy, stand up, move around, it's all good. All right, we're going to pitch a new question to you. I know some of you are like, ah, I didn't fully answer. That's okay, you get, you get to go next, all right? Next question in that same huddle is this. Why is it hard? Why is it hard for us when God doesn't answer our prayers the way we hope for? And when he doesn't, like, what are our options at that point, all right? Why is it hard for us when God doesn't answer our prayers the way we hope for? And really, what are our options at that point, okay? So talk about that. Go. All right. Hey, great job. Give yourselves a hand. You just sounded awesome. Give yourselves a hand. Come on. You did great. Woo. It's so cool to see you guys talking. I mean, when you show up to church, it's really not about just coming and hearing one person talk or, you know, a couple people. Like, this is, a, this is an engaging, interactive opportunity. And so uh, part of my joy is to mine the wisdom in the room a little bit and have you guys share with one another because sometimes God will do more in those little huddles than just some guy up on the platform talking at you. And so uh, I hope that was a meaningful time. Some of you are like, but I didn't get to finish. That's okay. You can go out to lunch afterwards. You can talk in the foyer. You can, you can pick up where you left off. But I hope that was helpful. Now here's the deal. When we, when we think about prayer, it can be discouraging and confusing when we pray as we believe God has instructed us in scriptures, and it just doesn't always turn out as we hope for. So what do we do? What do we do when God doesn't answer our prayers the way we hoped? Well, really, that question prompts a bigger question. And the bigger question is, what's the purpose of prayer in the first place? Like, if you think about it, like, I'm praying that God would or wouldn't do these things. I'm really, you know, I'm laying it before. I'm trusting him. I'm exercising my faith. I don't feel like I'm doing the slot machine prayers where it's like, hey, here's my prayer request. Here we go. Like, I don't feel like I'm doing that, but it just, God seems silent. Or I didn't get the answer I hoped for. Like, what do I do with that? Well, it comes back to, like, what is the purpose of prayer in the first place? And that's where a lot of people drift. 
and become discouraged by prayer because often we make the mistake of making ourselves central to our prayer life when in reality, the person who's central to prayer is who? It's God. It's God. We're, we're not the center of the prayer. God is the center of our prayers. So really, the, the idea I want us to wrap our mind around today is this. Prayer is not about getting God to do my will. Prayer is about getting to know God and do his will. Let's make sure that we're understanding this very clear. Prayer is not about convincing God, twisting God's arm to do my will. Prayer is about me getting to know God and to learn to do his will. And so just like we have in the last several weeks, we're going to go back to the same text. Um, if you've been here for weeks, you know where we're going. Open up your Bibles or your Bible apps to Matthew chapter 6. So open up your Bibles, get in your Bible apps to Matthew chapter 6. And we're going to look at this passage that we've looked at. Some of you are like, man, I didn't know you could teach the same text every week for weeks, right? That's what's so cool about God's Word is it's just packed, just packed with spiritually nutritional value, right? And you can just get more and more out of it. And so hopefully this text will, will never be the same for you after these last several weeks. And if you're new or you're a guest, you're going, what are you talking about? We'll go back online. You can watch, you can listen, you can catch up. But we're going to look at Matthew chapter 6. We're looking at verses 9 through 13. It's notoriously known as the Lord's Prayer. Um, there's definitely debate on whether that's the best title, but we'll call it that for now. And what I want to do today is I just want to treat together. All right, so out loud, let's read through Matthew 6, 9 through 13 together. Jesus is on a hill. He's, he's instructing people how to pray. And let's pick it up in verse 9. He says this, pray then like this. Read it with me. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is a model prayer. Jesus didn't say, always pray these words. There's nothing wrong with praying these words. We can pray these words. We can read them together. But really, we see this as a model. And we see four themes that really emerge from this model of prayer. And each uh, theme starts with a letter that when you put them together, as we've been talking about, makes this helpful guide. It's not a mantra. It's not a magic potion. It's, just a, it's a guide that can be helpful to us. It's the acronym PRAY. And so we see praise, we see repentance, we see asking, and today we're going to talk about yielding. We're just saying that. We're just saying, you alone are my heart's desire, um, and on and on. But it says there, you alone are my strength, my shield, to you alone may my spirit yield. So what do we do whether God answers prayers as we hoped or not as we hoped? We have to learn how to yield to how God answers our prayers. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Let's pray and let's jump in. Father, we come to you this morning because you are God, you are creator, you're master, you're our father, you're our best friend, you're our savior, you're our Lord. Uh, you have all power. We pray to you with confidence because we know that you are all powerful. We know that you're sovereign, that you hold all things in your hands. You're aware of every tear that we shed, you're aware of every pain that we experience. You're aware of every joy that we celebrate. And we come to you. And Father, we confess that we do not do a good job yielding. We confess that oftentimes, consciously or subconsciously, we approach prayer 
trying to get you to do our will. Father, help us all take a step forward today in learning how to better come to you desiring your will. And so as we talk again about prayer, God, would you open our minds, our hearts, our ears, our hands, our feet, everything to be uh, tools, vessels for you based on what we learned today through the power of your Holy Spirit. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. We all said, let's focus in on verse 10. Out of Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13, let's look at verse 10 where Jesus says, pray this way, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Part of what Jesus is doing here is not only declaring and proclaiming God's kingdom, but there is a tone of yielding within what he's teaching, that he's wanting to get across to those who are listening and wanting to learn how to pray more more authentically and better and all of these things. And the word yield, just to make sure we're on the same page, means to surrender or to submit yourselves to another. So we're talking about surrendering and yielding to God, surrendering our will to God's will. And surrendering requires trust. So it's a trust in God. It's a trust in his character. It's a trust that God sees what we don't see. He has the grand, eternal picture in mind. When you think about what we pray for, typically our prayers are so like short-sighted in the grand scheme of eternity. And God is inviting us in to learn how to pray with the grander scheme of eternity in mind. In order to do that, we have to trust, which will lead us to surrender, to yield to however God best determines to answer our prayers. So, why doesn't God then answer our prayers the way we hoped? Why doesn't he always do that? Here's the most accurate theological answer you will ever come up with. We don't know. We don't know. We can't speak for God, right? We don't know why he grants some answers to prayer and doesn't others. We don't know. So then what, what do we know? That's what we want to focus on today. We don't know why God always answers the way he answers, but what can we know about prayer? So I want to kind of click on this understanding of yielding and expand it. Here's what we can know about God and how he answers prayer. We know that God answers every prayer. We've touched on this almost every week because I think we need a constant reminder that God is not limited to only like the yes box, right? Like, like I think somehow subconsciously we think we're going to lift up our prayer and there's one button up in heaven, it's just the yes button and God goes, I, yes, yes, yes. And that's not it. We know that God can say yes, no, not now. Not the way you hoped. Later. Like, we don't know, but he's, he's got a variety of ways that he can answer prayer. Now, I would argue this is something that kind of really emerged in my study. I never really thought about it in these terms, but these words have helped me already in my own approaching of God. Is A lot of times we say, well, that prayer went unanswered. I, I don't think that's accurate. I don't think that's the most accurate way to phrase that. It might have gone ungranted. I think that's a more accurate, mature uh, way to understand prayers. I asked God, he granted what I hoped for. It might have been different or as I hoped for, or it wasn't granted. It was an ungranted request. And so that might be a better word to serve us when we think about prayers. It's not like uh, God didn't answer. Oh, no, he answered. He just might have told you no. 
And we love that one, right? Just like little kids. Like little kids don't like to hear the word no. We never really grow out of that. We just get better at trying to be like squirrely about it, right? And so sometimes God says no. Wait, all these things. Um, just to lean into that, I just want to give you some. It's not exhaustive, but just some of the examples of how we see God answer prayers in Scripture. Let's look at some of the yes answers that we may or may not know about. A woman named Hannah desperately prayed to God for a son, and he granted it. Joshua boldly prayed that the sun would stand still to win a battle. God granted that. An ancient king of Judah named Hezekiah was sick and dying, and he prayed desperately that God would spare his life, and God granted that and gave him 15 more years of life. King Herod arrested the apostle Peter, put him in jail, and the church rallied and prayed that he would be released, and God sent an angel and released Peter and granted that request. The Old Testament prophet Elijah boldly prayed for fire to come from heaven to consume a sacrifice when he had that showdown with the prophets of Baal, and God granted that request. Uh, the apostle Peter prayed over a woman disciple named Tabitha who had died, and she was raised to life from the dead. Uh, plus all the countless prayers by the disciples for healing, demon possession being released, and many other prayers during the life and ministry of the disciples, God answered yes to many of those. But he didn't always say yes. Here's some examples of no. Moses pleaded with God that he'd be able to cross over into the promised land, but God said no that it was going to be Joshua that was going to take the people into the land, not him. King David prayed and fast that his newborn child would not die. And God ended up allowing that child to die. God said no. It was King David's prayerful desire to build the temple of the Lord. God said, no, your son Solomon is going to build the temple. The great prophet Elijah, when he was in a dark, dark hour of his life, being chased by Ahab and Jezebel, who were trying to take his life, asked for God to come and take his life. God said, no. Job, also in the midst of his suffering, asked for relief. He asked for God to take his life. God said, no. The Apostle Paul had something called a thorn in the flesh. We don't know what it is. There's lots of speculation about sickness, disease, abilities, who knows what, you know, in inabilities in his life. Three different moments in the Apostle Paul's life, he asked God to take the thorn away. We're talking about the Apostle Paul, the guy who wrote most of the New Testament, who, who God used his hands and his prayers to heal leather and do miracles. And God said, any guesses? No. No, Paul, I'm not taking it. Because, finish the sentence if you know it with me, my grace is sufficient for you. And so God doesn't always say yes, even in the scripture. We also see delays. Like here's the big one. Like the Jewish people prayed for centuries and centuries and centuries for God to send the Messiah as they should have prayed. But it was not until the time had fully come, as we see in Galatians, that God sent forth his son. So think about all the discouraged Jewish people that said, we prayed, we prayed, we prayed for Messiah, and God never said yes. No, he did say yes, it just wasn't on your timetable. It was in the fullness of time. It was, when, it was when God deemed it was going to be the best timing. Right now, currently, like when you read the book of Revelation, in chapter 6, right now there are souls of martyrs in heaven currently crying out for God to judge the earth. God is telling them, not right now. You just rest a little longer. 
Like, like this is the way God has the prerogative to answer how he wants. Because he sees the whole picture. And so we're not alone in experiencing the various ways God answers prayer. We have to keep in mind, sometimes the answer to our prayer is a yes, but it might be after your lifetime. Those prayers for your kids, those prayers for your grandkids, they still might be a yes someday, but maybe you won't be here. We have to remember that delayed doesn't always mean denied in God's economy. And so there's just a much, much bigger picture that we have to continue to be reminded about. So we're not alone. I look back over my life. I know Rika and I look back over our married life, and we have this like variety of all the times God said yes, God said no, God said later, he said not the way you think. And all of you probably have the same type of experience with how God answers our prayers. Also, I just want to give us a caution here. When God doesn't always answer our prayers the way we hope for, it may be because God has something different. Everyone say the word different. Let's make sure we're on the same page here. God might have something different in mind. We're always tempted to say God might have something, you don't want to say it, you know it, better. Well, God told you no because he has something better in mind. Maybe, maybe not. This is where our faith gets gritty. Our faith gets real. Sometimes God says, you know what? I can heal that disease. I can take away that pain. I can make that good thing happen or take away the bad thing. But instead, I'm going to glorify myself through your suffering. I'm going to glorify myself through your weakness. I'm going to do a great work in your brokenness because I can do a greater work through your brokenness than if I make all the pain go away. Because here's the reality. If we want to be super honest and super transparent, usually when God grants the thing we desire, we get spiritual amnesia pretty quick. We just start to move on. You know, thanks God. I'll call again when I need you. But when the suffering, the trial, the pain, the hope continues, guess what? It keeps you in a place of prayer. It keeps you in a place of dependence. It keeps you in a place of hoping and trusting God. So we have to break that myth that, you know, it's one of those things that, well, you know, God told you no because maybe he has something better in mind. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe God wants to glorify himself through the gritty, hard, struggling places in your life. We have to trust the one who knows more than we do. The one who knows better than we do. One of the most um, comforting, vexing verses for us related to that is Isaiah 55, 8, 9, where God says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. If you've read through the book of Job, you saw that interaction, right? As Job's suffering and struggle continues on, at one point he's like, he's fed up. He starts to really question God, and then there's these incredible words in the book of Job near the end where God says, brace yourself, I'm going to question you. And Job's like, oh, crud. <laughs> Got a little ahead of myself. We talked about this a few weeks ago. Forgot who I was talking to. God's ways are higher. His thoughts are higher. Our job is to yield. Our job is to surrender and trust. At no point have I said, nor will I say today, it's easy, right? But that's our responsibility. 
You know, this morning I was listening over and over and over again to one of my favorite worship songs called Worthy of My Song by a guy named Phil Wickham and Maverick City. One of the lyrics is just pure gold in that song. It says, and in the blessing and in the pain, you are worthy. Whether you say yes or no or wait, you are worthy. Through it all, I choose to say you are worthy. I'll never stop singing your praise. Will we be found guilty of seeing how worthy God is, whether it goes our way and doesn't go our way, or only when it goes our way? And so what we do know is God answers every prayer. We have to yield to how he answers it. What else do we know? We know this. We know that God prioritizes his will, his kingdom, and his glory. That's a game changer to recognize that God will prioritize his will, his kingdom, his glory, and how he determines the answer. We are not the main character in God's story. He is. Therefore, the prayers will be about the main character. The result is that we learn to prioritize God and his will in our prayers, not just our own desires. And so I think we have to look ourselves in the mirror honestly here. I mean, we are hyper self-centered, right? We are hyper selfish. We are probably the most self-consumed generation ever. And if you're going, I don't know about that, just pause and go. Most of us have at least one digital platform completely dedicated to ourselves. And we want to make sure the world knows what we ate, what we saw, what we do, what we think. Like no other generation has had its own designated platforms to just let the world know, here's what I think, here's what I do, here's what I'm about. And what happens is then you get stuck in that little loop of feeling like I've, I've got to post my life. And there's that fun, helpful, connecting side of seeing stuff. Like there's a fun part. We're not, we're not villainizing that. But there's no way that doesn't continue to condition us to be self-centered. And if we're so self-centered, how is that not going to bleed into our prayer life? We're continuing, like, we don't need any help being selfish. I don't need any help being selfish, right? But some of what we've allowed ourselves to get sucked into just conditions us to be even more selfish. I think that bleeds into our prayer life. But if you look at the sequence of the Lord's Prayer, like if you break down kind of the prioritization of what you see, what you will see is that God focuses on his kingdom first, then the needs of people second. Our Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Then it goes, give us this day our daily bread. Like all the requests come after the prioritization of God and his kingdom and his will and his glory. So it's not that we don't ask, but I think we need help learning to reprioritize what's in our heart, what comes out of our mouths and our souls when we're praying. And so the purpose of prayer is not to get what we want is to know God intimately and to learn about his nature and character and to see that God is trustworthy and faithful and to feel a connection to God and then start to align our lives to his will and to his kingdom and to his glory. And so when we yield to God, we actively resist the temptation to try to exercise control of our lives control over the lives of others, and we surrender and we submit to his perfect character and his perfect will. Now, one misleading thought 
that has hurt our faith and prayer life, and we kind of touched on this a little bit, but I'm going to lean into it. One of this misleading thoughts that's hurt our prayer lives is that God only wants good experiences for us. God only wants health, wealth, comfort, success, and a pain-free life. We just know that's not reality. Someday it will be reality when Christ returns. Amen? Until then, we live in a fallen, broken world with pain. And so sometimes God chooses to glorify himself through our suffering and pain rather than our comfort and peace. We just don't like it. We're just not good at that. But Jesus really modeled this for us. I I love the moment. if If you're familiar with that, you go to the moment where Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane hours before his arrest where he'll be taken and he'll be crucified. He's going to go through all the trials and all that he went through. He's there in the moment. It's found in Luke 22, that, that account. It says, He came and went out, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives. And the disciples followed him. And when he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw. He knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. What do you think Jesus was feeling in those final hours? He's he's on a mountainside with his best friends. He knows what's coming. He knows he's about to get arrested. He knows about the mob. He knows about the, the trials. He knows about the beatings. He knows about the crown of thorns. He knows about the lashes. He knows about the crucifixion. He knows about the resurrection. He knows about all of it, right? Yet in that one moment, as this, this painful, excruciating moment is looming, he says, Father, take it away. I don't want the pain. This is, this is going to be overwhelming. And then he yields. God the Son yields to the will of God the Father. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. It's one of the greatest ways we can pray on the regular. And so sometimes God reveals his will, his kingdom, his glory by answering the prayers the way we hoped. And sometimes God reveals his will, his kingdom, his glory through learning for us to learn to depend on him as we experience his presence, his faithfulness, his trustworthiness through our trials. I mean, after all, this is another whole message. God's been repetitive about it's the testing of our faith that proves so much. In Romans 12, 2, it says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by, what's the next word? Testing. That by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, which is good and acceptable and perfect. And so what have you learned about God? His character, his nature. What have you learned about God's will? What have you learned about God's kingdom? What have you learned about God's glory by the tests and trials you have gone through and or may be going through right now? And so God will prioritize his kingdom, his glory, and his will and how he answers our prayers. We know that. Also, we know that we have some responsibility in how God answers our prayers. This is where it gets mysterious. When we pray, there's this mysterious dance between God's sovereignty and his willingness to listen and answer and 
our responsibility. I mean, it's completely up to God and how He determines the answer, but we're not totally off the hook. There are several key factors in Scripture that impact our prayers. Here's some of them. One of them is the presence of real faith. Jesus said, it's been said in one of many places, but one of them, Jesus said, captured in Matthew 21, 22, whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have, what? Faith. We're talking about true, authentic belief. This concept's repeated many times in Scripture. So real faith in God, real confidence in His character, real confidence in His power and ability to do whatever He wants, including what you're asking. And so you need a real faith. What, what will work against you is if you have a misplaced faith. Like you have faith in your own works, your own goodness. Uh, you feel entitled or deserving. That will creep in there, right? Like, God, you owe me. Come on. I mean, you ever thought that? Like, God, you owe me. I, hey, I did A plus B. I'm waiting for C. There's a formula here, right? And so that, that's, a, that's a misplaced faith. Sometimes it's a distorted faith. We look at the prosperity gospel. Uh, that says, oh, you just, you just claim it in the name of Jesus and you get whatever, like it's just a blank check. No, it's not. It's framed in by God's will, God's kingdom, God's desires, God's glory. And so we know that's a distorted faith or maybe we just buy into the thought that God's not strong enough to answer or if we don't get what we hope for, maybe, you know, uh, it's our fault. And so there's just some distorted faith and theology that gets into the mix. Um, you know, do you have faith in God? Or do you have faith in what you desperately want God to do? Think about that. When you come to faith and prayer, is it that you're demonstrating faith in God, or is it just you have a lot of faith in what you, God want, what you want God to do for you? It's very different. And so we have to come back to just putting our faith in God. Maybe it's a weak faith. You're just like, I don't know if God's going to do this. I'll just kind of throw a Hail Mary up there. You know, God, if you're up there, if you're listening, that, that's weak. That's not the kind of faith that Jesus is talking about. I love what John Bloom, a teacher, author, and co-founder of Desiring God said. He said, this is what we must keep in mind. Prayer is a relational interaction. It's not merely a service transaction. Faith is not divine currency that we pay God in order to receive whatever we ask in prayer. Faith is a relational response of trust in what God promises us. Faith says to God, I trust what you say so much that I will live by what you say. So our responsibility, we pray in faith, in the name of Christ, according to God's will, and God looks for real faith in those who come to him in prayer. And then we yield to however God's going to respond. Uh, we also don't want to try to come to God with unrepentant sin. That's, that's another factor. Psalm 66, 16-19 says, Come in here, all you who fear God. I will tell you what he's done for my soul. I cried to him with my mouth, and high praise was on my tongue. Verse 18 if I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But truly God has listened. He's attended to the voice of my prayer. If we are just sitting it up, or we've got these pet sins, we're like, hey, it's in the dark, nobody knows. God knows. And so there's a disconnect between coming to God with a clean conscience and saying, God, you know my filth, you know my struggles, I'm still coming to you because you tell me to, but you know this is real. But if you've got unconfessed sin, unrepentant sin, and you're just coming and you're not doing business with God, and then you have the audacity to just be like, hey, God, I'm here now, here's my wish list. And he's like, we got, we got business before you ask me anything because there's unrepentant sin in your life. That could be a a factor and so humility 
Repentance and confession is attractive to God. Kind of clears up the signal a little bit in our prayer life. Also, we don't want to come to God with wrong motives. We see this in James 4.3. We're instructed, you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. God knows our hearts and our motives. Clearly, if our motives are impure, self-centered, self-indulgent, or manipulative, God straight is telling us here, you do not receive because of that. You've got bad motives. And so we have to check our heart and motives. You know, one sad and ironic example that I think is easy to point to on that is a lot of us might come to God and say, God, bless my finances, bless my business, give me financial gain, and yet we don't contribute to God's work at all. We don't tithe, we don't give, we're not generous to other people, we're tight-fisted, but then we say, God, would you bless my (laughs) business, would you bless my finances? And God's going, you haven't even given me the ability to touch your finances. Everything I've provided for you, and you're giving nothing back to my work. It's just an ironic, interesting example of mixed motives. Sometimes uh, we just have other motives in our heart that are just self-promoting. We're self-beneficial only, and God's going, you're, you're just looking to ask me for something for your benefit, and that's it. My kingdom, my will, my glory is not even on the radar. One of the great evaluators, if you are curious about your motives, I've talked about this before, the two words, so that. God, would you do this? And then say, so that, fill in the blank. That will be a, a real clarifying exercise really fast. God, would you, would you allow that girl, that guy to like me so that we could get married and glorify you forever and grow your kingdom as an evangelistic couple, as missionaries in another country, right? Like, I'm playing with it, but you can see how that can be a benefit. God, would you do this so that? God, would you bring healing so that I can share the gospel more? God, would you bring my loved one to faith so that they would know your goodness, know your glory, and be used by you? If you tack the so that onto a lot of your prayers, you'll start to realize really quick if your motives are pure or not. Sometimes we come to God with fractured human relationships that hinder our prayers. Jesus is really clear in Matthew 6 that even if we have unforgiveness in our hearts, it's problematic. Or if we have hurt someone and we have unreconciled relationships, it's not good. We see in Matthew 5, Jesus said, man, if you know someone has something against you and you come to bring your gift at the altar, leave your gift, go be reconciled, come back. And so we, we can't just come to God feeling like, oh, it's all good when it's not all good with some people. That, that's even true in marriage. We see in 1 Peter 3, 7, for, for all my brothers out there who are married, we're going to get married, like we've got to take note of this. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be what? Hindered. It's sobering to realize that when I've punked out as a husband, Tarika, that that if I'm not being the kind of husband I need to be to her, that somehow it's going to hinder my prayers. Man, it is possible that God is basically going la, 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 la when you pray because of the way of harshness you may have towards your wife. It says right there, it can hinder our prayers. And so if we have fractured human relationships, it's going to jam the signal a little bit. Of course, lastly, as far as our responsibility, one of the greatest factors that impacts our prayer life is not knowing God, not being in a relationship with the Lord. In John 9, 31, we see, we know that God does not listen to sinners. But if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God 
listens to him. God hears everything. He hears everyone's prayers. But he's under no obligation to respond to those who are not in relationship with him. It's very similar to if a child were to come to me, kid in my neighborhood, and ask me for some help, I'm going to want to help them. But if I have to choose between my child, when my child comes to me and asks for a request, it's very different. There's a different weight. And so when we come to faith in Jesus Christ, we acknowledge that we're a sinner, we believe in the death and resurrection of Jesus, we commit our lives to following him, and we become a child of God, it changes the relationship and it changes the prayer. We learn how to pray to our Father. It's our Father. It's not, hey, our mighty being up in the sky. It's our Father. So there's a relational context there. But if you've never come to faith in Christ, then you're kind of on the outs. But here's the good news. God's inviting you into the inside. God's inviting you into relationship. But you have to come to that place where you acknowledge you're a sinner. You have to believe in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ for your sins. And then you have to commit your life to following Jesus. And if you've never done that, we'd love to help you take that step. Come talk to us. I'll give you some more instructions here at the end about that. And so we see all this. We see that God answers all prayer. He prioritizes his will, his glory, and his will, and his kingdom. And we know that we have some responsibility in how God answers. And lastly, what we do know is this. We know that we have to trust God and yield to however he answers. So we come to God as believers in Christ confidently, boldly, trusting God, big prayers, but we hold the answers loosely. There, there's, there's this image we need to get that when we pray, we're not, we're not giving it to it with our fingers clutching it. We have to hold it and go, Lord, I give this to you. Open-handed. I yield. I surrender. I trust. I'm going to come with all my faith all my boldness, all the confidence in who you are, but I'm going to hold it loosely. And we will trust that he will answer with what he sees best. That's why this prayer helps us. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as in heaven. We're recognizing God's sovereignty. So maybe you've prayed for a spouse, but nothing yet. Maybe you've prayed for a baby, but nothing yet. Maybe you've prayed for healing and it hasn't happened. Maybe you've prayed for that job, but it hasn't come through yet. Maybe you've prayed for that prodigal child to come home, but they haven't yet. Maybe you've prayed for that loved one to get better, but they didn't. Maybe you've prayed for that depression to go away and it hasn't, or the anxiety to go away and it hasn't. Maybe you've prayed for a good thing to start and it hasn't started. Or you've prayed for that bad thing to go away and, and it hasn't. The truth is, God has not promised us a flawless, godly spouse. God has not promised us a healthy children. God has not promised us family members who will love and walk with Jesus all their lives. God's not promised us a perfect marriage. He's not promised, uh, promised us the best job, wealth, excellent health. And anyone who tells you that God's promised those things to you is twisting scripture. But what God has promised is that there will be hardships. Oh, thank you, God. In this world, you will have trouble. He promised that. God also promised to be with us. He's promised that he will work all things for good to those who love him. He promised to give us peace if we trust him. And God has promised us a better and beautiful eternity on the other side of this fallen, broken existence. So keep praying to God. Keep trusting God. 
Keep surrendering to God. Keep yielding to God. Psalm 62.8 says, Trust in Him at all times. The good, the bad, the highs, the lows, all times. Oh, people, pour out your heart before Him. Like, right? Like, pour out your heart. Pray, but trust Him. Because God is a refuge for us. Some of you have this next verse memorized. I think we need the constant reminder, trust in the Lord with all your heart. But don't, it's not a 50-50 thing. Half trust God, half trust self. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. But God, if you say yes, here's why it's the best situation. God clearly would say no because this, this makes sense to me. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, he will make your paths straight. And so we have to keep coming to God boldly, confidently, humbly, but with surrender and with yielding. Pastor and author Randy Alcorn wrote a book titled, If God is Good, Faith in the Midst of Suffering and Evil. I recommend that as a book if this is just a fascinating topic for you or something you kind of need to study more. But he wrote this in that book. He says, we want deliverance from suffering. We don't want our loved ones to die. We don't want economic crisis, job losses, car accidents, or cancer. Our prayers and often our expectations boil down to this. Jesus should make our lives go smoothly. That's what we want in a Messiah. But it is not what God wants. Jesus is not our personal assistant charged with granting our wishes. While he sometimes does not give us what he, we want, he always gives us what we need. That's good. Written by a man who just lost his wife after years of fighting colon cancer just about a year and a half ago. We all get it. But we just have to come to that place of surrender. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as is in heaven. So if you put all that together, hopefully what you're hearing today loud and clear is this. Prayer is not about getting God to do my will. Prayer is about getting to know God better and learn to do his will. I hope that makes sense. All right, I'm going to put it all together for a second here. Pop quiz, all right? Let's see if you guys remember this. I'm going to put up fill-in-the-blank quiz. If you were to use this guide as a way to help you pray, let's uh, see what you guys remember. What's the P stand for? Praise. All right. The R, repent. Uh A, ask. And the Y, yield. A, A plus. Big red A plus on all of your papers. Good job. Uh, this, This guide is helpful. It really can help you transform your conversations with God. All right, I've got a couple of reflection questions for you as we get ready to land this thing. I, and I, I just hope that you can really look at these questions and ask the Holy Spirit to give you a response in your head and heart. You can write them down, take pictures if you, if you think you need to think about it. First question is this, what did you need to hear today that encouraged your faith and your prayer life? This is a great like lunch question, okay? What did you need to hear today? It really encouraged your faith, encouraged your prayer life. Second is what's one action step you can take to apply what you learned? Like, what are you going to do about it? And and by the way, a couple of follow-up questions on that one always helps me. It's like, if I don't take an action step, what, what might I be missing out on? But if I do take that action step, what will I gain? So I really want to push on you to come up with a response. What am I going to do? Like, okay, I learned something. This was great insight, but what am I going to do with it? And what's going to happen if I do apply that or if I don't? How's that going to impact my life? All right. 
Would you stand with me? I'm just going to pray. Would you just stand? I'm going to pray. I just want to give you a moment. I don't want to talk to God on your behalf right now. I just want to have you talk to the Lord. Let's just take a few seconds and work through what we just learned. Would you just take a few seconds between you and the Lord and just praise Him? Just lift Him up. Give gratitude. Give thanksgiving. Lift up His name. Just talk to the Lord. Evaluate the last hours and days of your life. Is there anything that's been done, said, thought, believed that would be offensive or displeasing to God? Would you just repent of that? Confess that to Him right now, just between you and Him? What's the burden of your heart? What's that top request that just is coming to your mind and heart right now? What do you need to ask of the Lord? Ask Him. Confidently, humbly, with faith. Just ask the Lord to do what's on your heart. And now I invite us all to just take your hands and put them out with your palms up open. And just tell him you yield. That you surrender. That you trust. Whether it's yes, whether it's no, later, different and would you just tell him Lord your will be done not mine your will be done we offer these prayers in the mighty name of Jesus we all said Amen Thank you for joining us for this week's message. North Bible Church is located in Scottsdale, Arizona and exists to equip all generations to love God, love one another, and love the world. For more information about North, please visit our website at northbiblechurch.com.